1: All right. Welcome. Disability Law uh, Show completely jacked to be on the air with you today. I got the uh, usual band of knowledgeable professionals with me. Savan, and co-founding partner, Sanfiru, and LLP, the most positively reviewed law firm in the country. Martin Willems over the West Coast dealing with things out there. He is set to go, by the way, West Coast, mid East Coast, doesn't matter, anywhere across Canada, Ontario, B.C., Alberta, anywhere outside of Quebec, the guys can help you with your matter for sure. You just want to make that phone call. That's how you do it, 1-855-821-5900. Reaching out through email is simple, help at disabilityrights.ca. And if you just want to learn something, you don't want confusing legal speak, go to ltdfaq.ca. Memos on LTD, tons of different topics. It's all like Lego. Blocks, you drop down menus, it's easy to read, it's great to consume. Very simple, LTD. FAQ.ca. We will get to, and on the show today in a little bit, three important facts about the appeals process and LTD claims. This is, I can't even overstate how important this is to know when it comes to the appeal process and dealing with your LTD insurer. But we always start off with a matter or a week that was, if you will. Martin, I'm going to give you a first crack at this, pal. What do you got this week?
2: Thanks, John. Uh, I've got a situation which I want to discuss. And the reason I want to speak about this is because I've had I have been handling or been involved with representing people with disability claims coming up on two decades, and I have seen lots of difficult files to manage. I have seen it all, like interesting situations, but something that is always jumping out at me, which is a difficult scenario to handle, is when somebody goes off work or is terminated and then tries to apply for disability benefits. So I want to speak about that in a general context. We cannot speak about clients whom we've represented because they are confidentiality issues. But I've been faced with this recently again, and this is generally what happens. Look, we represent doctors, lawyers, uh, blue-collar work people, e- every person that is out there who has a job. I've seen it all, as I've said before. And quite often, people just want to push through things. And that happens mostly when there is a mental health claim. So mm-hmm. I'm going to use a scenario. You work for a big corporation as a manager. You've got people reporting to you. You find that, especially in these, the days that we live in now, in the world that we live in now, that you're having mental health issues. You find that there's anxiety. You find that there's depression. It's starting to impact your home life. You get in arguments with your wife, with your kids. People around you start to socially isolate. You see the doctor. You tell the doctor about these things, but it's your personality, it's your character, it's your work ethic to just carry on working. You've got a team whom you're representing. They're looking up at you. You want to be the role model for those people. You feel responsible for them, so you carry on working. The doctor becomes concerned and at some point says to you, look, I I, I see things are going sideways here. You're getting worse. Maybe you should take some time off work. You think as that type of person, quite often they're men as well, you're going to carry on working because of what I've said before. You're just going to push through this. Things are going to get better. There's denial quite often when we deal with people who have mental health complaints. And that I've seen so many times. So it starts to filter through into your work performance. You have restrictions and limitations which you may not even realize. Your focus is impaired. Your concentration is impaired. You may be making mistakes. You may not be the person who you were before, but you may not even realize it. Your employment is then terminated because of work performance. Surprise, very, very shocking to you. Now you realize reality starts to sink in. And you go to your doctor and you file a disability claim because you realize your doctor was right all along. You shouldn't have been working. You've been ultimately terminated because your work performance was impacted. And now you want to apply for the benefits that you were entitled to had you applied when the doctor told you to stop working, but you didn't. You apply for disability benefits with the insurance company. The insurance company looks at the claims says, well. Unfortunately, you carried on working until the last day. Your employment was terminated. Now you want to say that you're disabled. You don't have coverage because for people who don't know out there, the moment that your employment is terminated, you may no longer have coverage. So if you retroactively want to apply for disability benefits, the insurance company is going to deny your claim. And that's what I've seen. So when people ask me what are the most difficult cases that we represent people on, probably would be those ones. Because you're not just dealing with are you disabled or are you not within the meaning of the policy. You have to get over another hurdle. And that hurdle is to prove that you actually have coverage. And you now have to fit this in retroactively to show that while you continue to work full time, you were actually disabled and should not have been working full time. And the way we do that is we look at were there complaints by other members? Were you making mistakes? Was your work performance impacted? Because ultimately the definition for disability is if you have a medical illness that prevents you from performing the essential duties of your occupation, then you are disabled. But trying to remedy this retroactively, and I have been, as I've said, involved in these cases, they are more difficult to handle. So the message that I want to send out there To anyone who is listening two things listen to your doctor it is difficult i understand to acknowledge that you may be suffering that you may be struggling because you want to be strong but if you are having these issues listen to your doctor if your doctor recommends that you take time off work because you don't want to be in this situation it's a very sad circumstance to see somebody who has that type of character and personality who now is no longer making any money, who has a family to take care of, and who now has been denied by an insurance company. It is a very sad reality and it's a very difficult circumstance to be in. So we help people like that. I'm always up for the fight and we fight. Believe me, we do. But it makes things so much more difficult when you have to cross that first hurdle of showing that somebody has coverage. So again, listen to your doctor. And the second thing that I want to emphasize is It's a difficult thing to do, but emphasize to your doctors when you do speak to them that they record what their advice to you is, that they record what your complaints are. It's not enough to just say the person has depression. Try and enforce to the doctors that they have to record what your complaints are. Are you having arguments with your family? Do you have difficulty to concentrate, difficulty to focus? If things are getting worse, make sure that the doctor records that. Now, of course, you won't be thinking about these things maybe in the time that it is that it is happening. But if you're listening to what I'm saying, and if you know somebody out there who is struggling the way that I've just described, give them this advice. Because I can tell you, it is great advice for somebody who may end up in this situation and who is then faced by a denial from an insurance company. Which again, we're happy to take it on. But to make things easier for you and to take the stress off, listen to your doctors and make sure that your doctors record what you are reporting to them in their clinical entries. you know that's what my intro is for today
1: it's it's yeah, but after saying all that, it's like the thought of trying to navigate this if it gets that far Martin without your help like you and if Savannah and the team it makes me nauseous to think that somebody would do this without the help of your firm. I would not know where to begin to navigate these hassles without without you guys I, I wouldn't even attempt it it's, it's I, I can't imagine it. How, how much hassle that would be you know what I mean
2: it is it's such a difficult thing for people oh. when they come to that realization because it, it literally is a shock. you can see when you speak to them they are in shock because they were pushing through they're angry rightfully so because they gave everything and more yeah. to the compromise of their own health and right. now they're being denied that're quiet and they're being denied benefits so yes I don't see I, I don't see how an, an appeal definitely in such a situation can work don't bother with it. Mm -hmm. It's not going to go anywhere. You might actually be harming your claim. So come speak to us.
1: Again, guys, 1-855-821-5900. Any time to do that, don't hesitate just to have a conversation, right? Help at disabilityrights.ca through email. Savannah, what do you got going on today?
3: John, before I move on to what I want to talk about, something that I I had dealt with this week, I want to comment, say two things about what Martin just said. First of all, Mm -hmm. I think very eloquently he explained sort of the dilemma uh, in those situations. And, and we have cases, by the way, from courts where courts have uh, dealt with this issue before. Uh, and, and it does take a lot of effort on the part of lawyers to try and and deal with those kinds of issues. So the two points I wanna make is number one, if you go to the wrong lawyer, AKA not as an example, you are gonna potentially get the wrong advice. Someone's gonna tell you, you have nothing, nothing can be done, you're out of luck. Whereas somebody like Martin getting involved you know, at the end of the day, you're seeing a check for 200,000, 300, again, you know, every case is different. But my point is that there are lawyers who, understands, uh, who understand the nuances of, of these kinds of issues and lawyers who do not, lawyers who have experienced, lawyers who do not, just like in any profession. So you wanna make sure that you choose the right team. And that's why we're here each and every week trying to provide as much information as possible, not just about the easy points, but the nuances of these kinds of cases. Second thing I wanna say is this, and Martin, I'm sure you've seen this as well. I've gotten calls and I've spoken with individuals out there who would like to go on LTD but who contact us because they've gone to their doctors, usually family doctors, nothing against family doctors, they're extremely crucial, many of them are, are, you know, they love what they do and they try their best to help their patients but they sometimes veer off of the medical advice that they give and they give... Uh, legal advice which is incorrect so I've had people contacting me saying I want to go on LTD I don't feel I can do you know my job my doctor agrees with me but my doctor also says that there's no way that I'd be able to get long-term disability because I'm not totally disabled that phrase total disability that we've spoken about quite a lot here right and from a layman's perspective total disability which is the test you have to meet under an LTD policy uh to to a layman person that means that you are unable to do anything that you're catatonic that all your limbs are severed or whatever it's a catastrophic thing total means complete that's not what it means under a standard ltd policy or frankly any policy i have seen all it means is that you cannot perform the essential tasks of your own occupation or any occupation beyond the two-year mark and so my point here is that Uh, To Martin's point, some people will push themselves till the end, some people will not, but they will get the wrong advice from their doctors, thinking that they have no recourse, that they cannot, in fact, apply for LTD when they can. So even if you're getting that kind of advice from your doctor, you may want to reach out to us so we can give you the proper legal advice, and then you can have a chat with your doctor about next steps.
1: Guys, we'll take a short break, get into lots more. We'll have our topic for the day as well. Three important facts about the appeals process and LTD claims. Again, I can't uh, can't, under, can't, overstate the importance of this particular topic, so stick around for that and some email to follow. How do you send one along for this or a future show or even in private? If you want to have that discussion with Martin or Savan, it's help at disabilityrights.ca. And the phone number to reach them, toll-free, 1-855-821-5900. More of the Disability Law Show is coming up. Hang on.
0: You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment.
1: All righty. Welcome back to Disability Law Show. want to uh, make you aware that you can reach out to either Savannah Markin or Martin Willems anytime. Here's the phone number, one 855 821 5900 help at disability the help knows no bounds if you're outside quebec you have no problem across the country reaching out to these guys whether it's bc or alberta or ontario feel free to reach out use that number send an email and uh, get some correspondence and some clarity anytime you feel the need we're going to get into our topic here in just a couple minutes Savannah, but i know you had something uh, that you and i spoke about off air recently but i thought it was a pretty interesting thing to bring on the show what do you got
3: yeah, it was a very interesting situation, uh, simply because it, it seems ridiculous it even come up, but it's come up actually a few times in the last few weeks. And it's where professionals have contacted me. I've had an accountant that I spoke with earlier this week. There was a dentist the week before, and there was an emergency room doctor the week before that, and again, from different places around the country. Uh, and, and the issues dealt with their long-term disability policies, which they have purchased privately now when we're talking about long-term disability we're not talking about government disability it's not workers compensation and it's not some kind of a government disability program uh you know like ontario disability works or something like that we are talking about uh, disability programs or insurance policies with insurance companies typically we see those uh where someone works for an employer and they have a a group uh uh, benefits plan health benefits plan and as part of that plan they have long-term disability coverage And they apply, they get denied, or they're on LTD and they get cut off. However, the other uh, situation is where you have individuals who buy their own private policies. And sometimes they have policies through work, but sometimes they don't. Irrespective, many of these individuals, especially professionals, Martin, I see those all the time, they buy their own private policies, either directly from insurance companies or through a broker. And oftentimes uh, as part of those professional policies, uh, you can have what's called a writer an own occupation writer. What that means just to break it down to anyone who hasn't heard us, who who hasn't heard us uh, speak about this before is that under most LTD policies out there to get long-term disability, because you cannot work because of an injury or an illness for the first two years, you have to demonstrate with the help of your doctors that you cannot perform the essential tasks of your own occupation and beyond the two year mark, After getting LTD for two years, to get LTD beyond that, you have to show that you cannot work or you cannot perform the essential tasks of any occupation for which you are suited for, by training, education, or experience. The own occupation writer takes away, wipes away that second test. And what it says is that until a certain age, typically age 65, only the own occupation test applies to you. And so this accountant who called me in his 50s is off work as a result of of mental health issues Uh, and clearly from the documentation I have seen is unable to go back to his job at the present time and yet the adjuster that's adjudicating his claim he's been on LTD by the way for just over a year his adjuster says you know I think that on so-and-so date X amount of months from now which is approximately that two-year mark you should be able to do some other job But this individual has uh, purchased a policy that has that own occupation writer and so obviously that adjuster is either not paying attention to the policy and the writers on it or turning a blind eye or perhaps in a more sinister way if we were to look at that uh, is trying to see if he can shake off this claimant without this claimant asking any questions now i don't know what it is i don't want to cast aspersions but the reality is that people need to check their policies you need to ask questions if you are told Under any policy, whether it's a professional policy or a policy through your group uh, benefits plan, if you are told by the insurance company that your benefits will come to an end, you you must understand your legal rights. You must ask questions. Get a copy of your policy. Review your policy. Give us a call. We have literally seen every excuse given by insurance companies across this country. And I'm telling you, John, these are the same reasons all the time. Sometimes they say that it's because you can do some other job. Sometimes it's because they say that you're not complying with the term of the policy. Sometimes you're saying that you should be going back to work even though you're not ready for it. We have seen it all. And so by calling us and getting that free advice, you are arming yourself with information. And that information is going to reduce your anxiety. It's going to give you clarity as to what your legal position is. And it's going to put you on equal footing with the insurance company because that's what ultimately they're trying to do they're trying to make you think like you have no options or that at the very least, the only option you have is to appeal that decision. We've talked about appeals many times. They go nowhere quick. Uh, and so by speaking with us, you're gonna get exactly the options that you are looking for. We're, we're gonna to explain to you your legal position. we we'll gonna explain to you what can be done. And at that point, you can make a decision on how you wanna proceed but it just it was interesting to me that you know in a situation like that with this professional clearly he knows what he's doing he's reviewed this policy it doesn't make any sense he's contacted us and you know after speaking with me you know it, it became very clear that this is something that can be remedied very quickly with the insurance company and that they're going to have to reverse position very fast and if they don't we're going to you know we're going to hit them with a legal claim but not even a question here we're going to be able to resolve
1: it you sure can and you want to resolve your situation get me information anyway here's how you reach out the first step 1855 and help at disabilityrights.ca All right, guys, as mentioned, important topic. I love talking about this. We do it on our TV show as well. You want to catch that, you can go to disabilityrights.ca that website, disabilityrights.ca You'll see the uh, the memo or at least a breakdown tab for all the media stuff. You'll catch uh, past and present uh, editions of our TV show. Three important facts about the appeals process in LTD claims. Number one, you guys can fight over who goes first. That's up to you. But uh, an appeal is an internal process controlled by, and managed by the insurance company, right? I'm not so, going to fight oh, for this. Ah. It's all yours. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Are you taking it?
0: You said
3: I'm taking it? No, 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 no. I'm not fighting you. It's all yours. Oh, right. okay. <laughs>
2: Thanks. So, yes. When an insurance company denies a claim, they offer you, quite often in the denial letter, the option to appeal. And they invite you to do so by saying look you can provide further medical evidence to us or you can simply tell us why our decision is wrong in the general sense if you think about the word appeal appeal means that you are appealing something that is denied and one would think that in such a situation it would be a third party like the bc court of appeal right it's it's a different entity that's making a decision on the same facts um, other than the initial entity who made that decision. this is not the same case. This is entirely different. The insurance company who denied your claim in the first instance is the same entity that is now listening to or considering the evidence all over again. So it's not impartial. it definitely isn't. It is very one-sided. It is the same entity that made that denial. And now think, okay, well, we're going to invite you to do this and then look at it all over again. It may be somebody else in the insurance company, but with the same mandate. So it is an internal process. There's no independence here. And when they say, well, we're going to have some doctor look at it, it would be some doctor who is on the payroll of the insurance company in-house. They call, quite often call them health partners or a medical review where that person, that doctor is being paid by the insurance company to give an opinion. Now think about this as well when you do submit that appeal you may be submitting further evidence from your doctor or you may be providing further evidence to the insurance company now you're in a desperate situation because you're trying to get your claim approved and you may be providing information that unknowing to you or unknowing to your doctor unbeknownst to you may be supporting the insurance company's position versus your own and that quite often happens in situations where a person is being bullied and harassed at work and the insurance company would say, no, this is all related to your workplace, as opposed to you being disabled from working in any occupation. And people don't always understand that. Doctors don't understand that. And then when we finally see a claim that has gone through that appeal process, more evidence has been submitted now that supports the insurance company's position. So when there is a denial, Speak to us before you consider doing any any form of an appeal, and consider what your options are. Because ultimately, this is these are for-profit organizations. Uh, the motivation is not to approve the claim. Yeah. The motivation is to look at the evidence, and if there's a way out, they're going to take it.
1: Number two, Savannah, your turn. Appeals, oh yeah, rarely succeed in your experience, right?
3: Yeah and you know this is something we've again spoken about quite a lot Uh, and many people end up doing these appeals despite hearing us say that these appeals rarely succeed because again when an insurance company denies your claim and you get that letter and it's all formal right it's calling you by your last name and it's you know regurgitating all the reasons why it is that you cannot get LTD or why your LTD is going to get cut off it just looks like such a formal document and at the end it says but you can appeal it gives you that hope that sliver of hope and you think well what do I have to lose I'll tell you what you have to lose you have to lose time you have to lose uh, or you can lose money because the time that it takes to get through to this appeal and get that denial and eventually contact us to actually help you there's no money coming in to pay your bills to pay for groceries for anything else and the last thing, John, and I know it's going to you know, get us some laughs here, but it's not funny, is that you have to lose, you know, you can lose your sanity here. Mm-hmm. We get people calling us all the time when they've been denied once, twice, three times, maybe even four times their appeals. Sometimes that process takes several months, sometimes a year. I have seen it as much as over two years. And here's the problem. If you were denied long-term disability or you're cut off long-term disability and you played that game of theirs. And you started, uh, uh, you know, going through those motions like a hamster on a wheel and eventually you got beyond that two year mark, guess what you may have extinguished potentially your right to make a legal claim The insurance company sits back laughs and says your money is in our pocket because there are only two years from the date of first denial to start that legal claim now there are some exceptions you don't want to find yourself into one of those exceptions or have to look for those exceptions the point is that by doing these appeals which rarely work you're potentially putting yourself in a very bad situation in a bad position but do they succeed yes occasionally we do hear of somebody saying hey my appeal went through finally but you also hear that about people playing the lottery occasionally somebody wins it But do you want to go through the motions? Do you want to get frustrated? Do you want to get into a point here where you just want to give up? And you know, the other thing is, John, the vast majority of people that I speak with who have come to us after having uh, been denied these appeals are not actually the individuals, the claimants themselves. It's the family members. It's the friends who are concerned, who have heard us on the radio or seen us on TV, who contact us on behalf of those claimants because those claimants have given up. Yeah. And that goes to our third point here. I know I've I've taken uh, you know, uh, some of that third point and, and 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 spoken about it because they're so intertwined. People become very frustrated with the process, rightly so, but I think it's by design for insurance companies because I think many people who get denied over and over and over at some point, you know, there's that gaslighting phenomenon. They just give up. They lose hope. Yeah
1: yeah Martin what do you think I mean if someone's gonna say you know what guys I understand the show but I'd really like to maybe give it a shot just once not that I don't trust you but you know what we'll roll the dice what advice would you have if they, if they if they demand doing it at least once what do you think
2: well, you know what? We cannot tell people what to do. You know, we, we have discussions with them as to what their options are and what we think they should do. But ultimately, if they have, if they do do it, then they're going to do it. They But come back to us then because ultimately, quite often, it is denied. I will speak to you about some that I've seen as well where, and we say really it is approved i have seen cases where somebody has spoken to me they did the appeal it was approved and then three or four months later the insurance company put them through what is called a rehab program which was funded by the insurance company meaning that they sent the person to the insurance company's treatment providers on the payroll of the insurance company at the end of the program there's an opinion now that the person is ready to go to back to work where the doctor still disagrees now they come back to us and they're right back where they were And they'll say to me, I'm very frustrated. I wish I would listened to you. So in in that situation, they end up coming back to us, having been paid a few months of benefits. But now the insurance company is in a position where they would say, okay, we've now got an opinion from the treatment providers that we paid for that you actually are now recovered. You're better. You can go back to work where you disagree and your doctor disagrees. So the insurance company may be, from their perspective, in, in an even better situation and position to have denied the claim. So they come to us and say, I wish I had listened to you Mm -hmm. because this was just such an unpleasant experience and I'm back where I was. I'm not receiving any money. So consider these things and speak to us when there is a denial because we will discuss all of these options with you. But we're not pro appeal in that sense.
1: We're going to slide over to some email after a short break, which we got to take now. We'll do so. We'll give you the contact information. In the meantime, you can write it down, one by phone. Help at disabilityrights.ca through email as well. We'll continue with more of the Disability Law Show. Hang on. All right. Welcome back. Disability Law Show. Good to have you with us. John Scholes here. And as always, uh, Savan Tamarkin, co-founding partner, Sam Firu, Tamarkin LLP, and Martin Willems as well, also working with Savan, covering things on the West Coast. But if you're in Ontario, Alberta, or BC, anywhere in Canada, outside of Quebec, you can reach out to the fellows in their respective teams. They are ready to uh, have that conversation with you and hopefully move forward and give you some help. Indeed, 1-855-821-5900 is how you do it. Help at disabilityrights.ca. And for short easy to read non-legalese memos on ltd number of topics truly helpful ltdfaq.ca okay Catherine. guys first emails up says hey guys uh, can ltd force me back to work program even though my doctors say i'm not ready to return to work i've been on ltd for one year only my two-year mark is october of 2023 so just under a year to go what do you say guys uh, the answer,
3: Catherine, is no, and uh, this is its a frequent question that we get, and specifically worded that way, can the LTD insurer force me to go back to work or back to, to a back to work program? Remember, the insurance company can't force you to do anything. What they do is they pressure you by saying that if you don't do what we say, we're going to cut off your payments. Right, So in a way, if you think about it, they are trying to pressure you to do something you're not ready to do to their own benefit. They don't really care about you. The answer is no, they cannot do that, or at least they, they can try, but you can say no to that. But what I would suggest... That you do in this case Catherine is you're saying that your doctor said that you're not ready to go back to work make sure that you provide whatever report whatever letter you get from your doctor or doctors to the insurance company and write an email to the adjuster enclosing that note or that report or that letter and explain that you're not saying that you're not going to try a return to work program but that at this point in time you're not ready and your doctors agree that in fact you should not be trying to go back to work at the present time. And in fact, I would go further than that and say that on your doctor's recommendations, you are not going to engage in a back to work or a gradual return to work program at this present time until such time as they agree that you are ready, in fact, to do so. Now, the insurance company at that point can do one of two things. They can either rumble and say, fine, we'll keep you on claim, or they can say no and we'll cut you off. If they cut you off benefits, well, guess what? You have a legal claim. We can help you with that. We deal with these kinds of cases all the time. Actually, I lied, John. There are more than two options here. The third thing that they may do, and in fact, that's probably the route that they are most likely to take, is they'll say, fine, we're gonna have you assessed by one of our doctors. We don't buy what your doctor's selling, so we're gonna arrange for an independent medical examination. And again, we've talked about this quite a lot, this term independent, independent medical examination. These assessments are anything but independent. In fact, I've said before, they should be called dependent work exam- yeah. uh, dependent medical examinations because ultimately it's the insurance company, the adjuster, that selects which doctor examines you. They're the ones paying that doctor, and they're expecting a report that is favorable t- to them. Now, these doctors that are doing these assessments, they may be great at what they do, but they are being given this assignment by the insurance company, and it's probably not their first assignment, and they probably make good money off of these kinds of examinations. So it's in their interest to give a report or an opinion that is favorable to the insurance company again not casting aspersions here on all doctors who do this but i can tell you that when i used to work for insurance companies i would have a roster of doctors that i would go to when i whenever i was defending an insurance company and i would make sure that i would go to this doctor or that doctor because chances are that they would know what me and my adjuster that i was reporting to would be looking for in one of those reports and uh, John, we have spoken before about a website that we have—a free website called LTDFAQ.ca, Long Term Disability Frequently Asked Questions.ca. If you go to that website, you will see a bunch of memos there that we've created for the public. They're free memos. They're usually one, two, three pages long. Uh, there's no legalese in there. It's in regular English, uh, and it explains to you. It gives you answers to the most frequently asked questions about certain topics that we always get uh, asked upon. And, and one of those topics is this. Uh, independent medical examinations it explains what it is how you should prepare for it what happens during the examination and what you should do after the examination especially if the if the opinion from those doctors contradicts what your doctors are saying so to circle back here to Catherine's email here and to her question if you are not ready to go back to work and the insurance company is pressuring you go to your doctors get whatever note make sure it's substantive or report or letter from them explaining why it is that in their opinion it's premature for you to attempt a return to work program give that to your adjuster in writing via email is is great and then see what the insurance company does and if you have any questions by the way at that point or after or before you give us a call we'll talk to you about your specific situation and we'll give you your options
1: and that number, again, one 821 5900 is how you reach out, help at disabilityrights.ca. Uh, let's move down to Ryan's email. It says, hey, guys, love the show. Question for you. Um, why do some LTD providers, once approved for CPPD, which we all know is much harder a test to pass versus LTD, still keep asking for updates every month, whereas some people, uh, they totally stop bothering. I was fortunate. I got approved for CPP, and it's been over six months, and I've been heard from the LTD insurer. I still have one year before I hit the any occupation point so i was surprised that they haven't bothered me in such a while do other factors such as if you have a taxable versus non-taxable ltd come into play i have a non-taxable ltd we're a hundred percent government crown corporation employees pay our ltd premiums per month so what do you say guys
2: Thank you, Ryan, for that question. Uh,
1: You know, I I am surprised as well that you haven't heard
2: from the insurance company. The fact that CPPD, which means CPP disability, which is a uh, government funded benefit, has been approved. From my experience with insurance companies, they see that as a positive because they can deduct that amount from your LTD benefit. But from their perspective, they're not going to leave you alone. Uh, I have never seen a situation where the insurance company leaves a person alone just because CPP disability benefits has been approved. Uh, And the reason for that is the insurance company will stay in your life. This is a policy. It's a contract. The insurance company has the right to adjudicate the claim. And believe me, they are going to continue to do that because their incentive is not to carry on paying you benefits, right? If they're going to find a way, if you're not seeing your doctor on a regular basis or if they find from their perspective that you no longer meet the test for disability if you're not following through with proper treatment you're not taking medications that has been prescribed many many different factors they will take steps to deny your claim so unfortunately just because your cpp has been approved i do not see that as a hands-off approach by the insurance company they will continue to adjudicate your claim on an ongoing basis. It is good, though, that your claim has been approved, CPP, at such an early stage. The question on whether taxability or non-taxability affects, I assume, the LTD claim itself because you're saying it's a non-taxable benefit, CPP is taxable. The only thing that I would say is apply for a disability tax credit because that may alleviate some tax concerns that you may have.
1: Guys, we'll take a short break. Move on to more, but we got to take a break, and we'll do it now. In the meantime, write this number down. Keep it for uh, for all time. How about that? One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Help at disabilityrights.ca, and another free and anonymous website for you to ask more questions: mydisabilityquestions.com. Right back after a short break. This is the Disability Law Show.
0: You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment.
1: All right, we're back. Still some time to go here. Disability Law Show, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. 821 5900 That's the number you call when the show is not on to reach uh, Savannah or... Martner, uh another member of the team across the country to uh, to help you out help at disabilityrights.ca uh, Cynthia is our next email Up, guys says, uh, do appeals have a deadline and do appeals usually work even if my MRI report only changed slightly, i.e. got slightly worse? And should I ask my insurance company if I try to go back to work on a gradual basis and it doesn't work, even though I tried, can I go back on LTD claim even if my insurance company denied my claim after the two-year change of definition date? What do you say, Savan?
3: Well, let's deal with the first question, do appeals have a deadline? The insurance company would like you to think that they do have a deadline, but because these are internal processes, the reality is that the insurance company is not going to say no, I can tell you from experience, for you applying late, because the reality is they're probably going to deny you anyways. So I, I have a lot of people, John, contacting me and saying, "Oh my God, my, my you know, my, I, I'm late for my appeal. My appeal deadline was 30 days uh, after my denial. What do I do? What do I do?" And I said, "Don't worry about it. The reality is, if you appealed, you're probably denied anyways. Mm-hmm. The only real deadline that you should be worried about in these cases is that two-year uh, mark from the date that you were first denied." Why? Because the limitations, uh, limitation period on legal claims for you to take legal action against the insurance company is two years. Now, we we have just passed COVID and we do have exceptions to the limitation period. You don't want to be within that exception or, or at least search for that exception to try and figure out if you can file that legal claim against them. But the reality is that if you have been denied long-term disability or cut off long-term disability, you should be reaching out to us as soon as possible so as to not even have this conversation. But do appeals have deadlines? Yes, the insurance company is gonna tell you. you have 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, whatever date they give you. I just wouldn't worry about that. I would deal with the denial on a legal basis as opposed to the appeal basis. And that means that you have two years from the date of first denial. Now to talk about what happens if you try to go back to work on a gradual return to work and it doesn't work out. We do see that happen too. The good news is that the vast majority of LTD policies have what's called a recurrence clause. It's a section in your policy that provides for an extra safety net. What it says is that if within a certain period of time of trying to go back to work, you're unsuccessful, you thought you were ready, but you're not, after a few days at work or a week of work or a month of work, you find that you simply cannot do the job and you want to go back on LTD, I'm assuming at that point, Cynthia, you would have been in touch with your doctor, your employer, everybody's aware of the situation. You then contact the insurance company, again, providing medical records and report from your doctor saying that you're now ready to go back. Clearly, that was a failed attempt at return to work. And the insurance company if they're doing the right thing, should then approve you to go back on LTD without waiting the initial elimination period, which is up here at the time at the beginning of the claim when you've applied, and you're told you're going to have to wait until you get your first paycheck. You don't have to wait for that. You should be able to go back on LTD immediately. However, however, the reality is that we do see a lot of people who in good faith have tried to go back to work. Their doctors thought that they were ready, but clearly it was too much for them for this reason or another reason. They're not able... They're still not ready, Uh, they want to go back on LTD, and the insurance company rejects uh, the activation of that recurrence clause, which means the insurance company says, we're not gonna put you back on LTD. And they feel defeated, John, when they contact us, because they say, look, we've done what we thought was right. We tried to go back to work, but we failed, and we need to go back on LTD, and the insurance company now saying no. We deal with those cases all the time. We are successful with those kinds of cases, because you know why? these people have credibility the fact that they try to go back to work the fact that there was a failure there the fact that it's confirmed and recorded by the by the employer by the doctors insurance companies often reverse their positions when we get involved in these kind of cases so 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 don't feel defeated uh, it's a good thing that Cynthia has checked with us though before trying to do that but the fact that she's asking if appeals have a deadline you know that's concerning me because it means that she's focusing on the wrong thing which is yeah you know that that appeal thing which is exactly what the insurance company wants you to be focused on as opposed to starting a legal claim if you've been denied LTD I
1: want to get back into that topic of total disability guys i know it's always it's it's another frustration for you and for people that 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 get that uh, excuse from the insurer So, I mean, what does it mean in the context of LTD claims? You've asked 100 people on the street, 99, are going to say, yeah, you're totally bedridden, you're catatonic, you can't do anything, you can't feed, brush your teeth, look up at the sky. But what are your thoughts when someone calls you and says they can't work and the doctors support them being up and the insurer says, no, 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 you're not not getting a benefit, you're not totally disabled?
2: These are the questions that you see every single day, that we hear every single day. Many people are denied because of not being totally disabled in the opinion of the insurance company. And this is a part of an education project as well with some doctors. Uh, what does totally disabled mean? Remember, this is not the layman's terms of totally disabled. This is a contract and the contract says, if you are unable due to an illness or an injury to perform the essentials or the usual or the regular duties of your own occupation for the first two years or whatever time frame the insurance company provides in that policy, then you are totally disabled from, then you're totally disabled if you're unable to perform the essential duties. What does that mean? There's case law on this. You have to look at the person holistically it has to be a global perspective right it is not just okay i work as an accountant i can type on my computer but when i have to do everything as a whole i have to go out and meet clients i have to give opinions those are the things that i struggle with the insurance company may say okay well you're not disabled yes you are because globally you are unable to perform the duties of that occupation because some of those things just are becoming overpowering for you. So it doesn't mean that if you are able to get out of the bed, eat by yourself, bathe by yourself, tie your shoelaces, which from a medical perspective may mean partial, total disability in terms of a disability contract. If you cannot work, if you cannot perform the duties of your occupation, you have difficulties to concentrate, focus, etc., to perform cognitively demanding jobs, or if you're unable to do a physical job, and that's your essential duties, then you are disabled within the meaning of the policy. And just because that insurance company says you are not, your doctor says you are, you feel you are, you contact us because we will fight that fight.
1: So, man, what are you, uh, what's your opinion of the last minute to go, pal?
3: I, I agree with Martin Completely here and again it comes back to this issue that insurance companies are trying to get you off claim they're trying to confuse you they're trying to confuse your your doctors you need to understand that the way you understand the policy or the policy terms is not necessarily the way that they are actually used in the context of long-term disability and this is what we see each and every day and that's why when we get involved we actually can force insurance companies to pay people what they're owed because we understand how this this fight is, is, is being fought and how it should be fought. So any questions whatsoever, if you have them, please email them in, give us a call, do whatever you need to do to get this information so you understand what your rights are. That's the only way, the only way to stand up to these insurers.
1: There's always stuff to be learned on this show, man. And any time we, uh, we ask you to uh, contribute to the show, and uh, you can do so a couple of different ways uh, now that we're just about done for another day as i've said many times during this hour i'll give it to you one more time the phone number one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred anytime to reach out to savannah or martin they got a great team behind them across the country by the way outside of quebec you're good to go mydisabilityquestions.com that website is for you to ask questions as well you can use your phone your tablet your uh your desktop it doesn't matter it's anonymous it's free and the database is searchable as well so there's a pretty high probability that a question similar to yours has been asked and answered previously. You can look for that. Then there's help at disabilityrights.ca. That's always the go-to email every show. And uh, we'll leave it there. We'll pick it up again on the next edition of the Disability Law Show. Thanks for listening.
0: The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment.